G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. So if God is love and God is powerful, he's got the motivation. Why doesn't he change things and stop the suffering? But then God is also wise and all-knowing. And he has a plan, and the ultimate plan is for eternity, not for now. Christian parents have shared their experience about their children who have been brought up to follow the Lord and have unfortunately seen them walk away from their faith in their teens or 20s. And this is a serious issue facing both parents and the church. Our guest today is Pastor Keith Glasgow, who authored the book called Exit. We'll be discussing some of the main reasons for leading or exiting and providing some advice for parents and church leaders and friends who want to help those who are turning away from their faith. That's Keith Glasgow with my wife Kate and myself Brett Ryan for Folks on the Family Australia. Well, welcome to the program. Thank you, Brett and Kate. It's a joy to be here and share with you. Well, I'm sure many of our listeners are going to be leaning into this interview because this unfortunately has happened far too often. It's absolutely devastating, isn't it, when we watch our children walk away from the Lord and not only walk away from the Lord, but walk away from the community as well. Uh, Heartbreaking. So let's just jump right in. What is happening? What's the data saying that it's happening around the world and in Australia? Well, first of all, I want to say my heart goes out to many parents. As a pastor, I've had a lot to do with different ones who've had loved ones, especially younger ones who have walked away from the faith. And it's estimated now that 70% of high school graduates within two years of leaving high school will turn from their, either their faith or from the church anyway. Wow. It's massive. And it's estimated in the United States alone that in the next 30 years, one million Christians will walk away from active faith or active attendance in a church. And unfortunately, it's not just young people. It's even older people who are becoming, I guess, a little bit more cynical about faith and the church in general. That's true. But the majority are the younger ones, Mm. especially when they move from a very supportive environment out into the world that is so antagonistic to the Christian faith in many ways. So as a pastor, you would have heard numerous of these heartbreaking stories, but you're not just a theorist. You're a practitioner because you've experienced this yourself in your family. Yes. In our family and also in wider family, we've experienced it and it really is heartbreaking. Uh, it is something that uh, really touches you and moves you. And, and some parents really do go overboard in trying to protect their kids and pull them back. Mm. Uh, and it actually can work against them. Yeah. And many parents are just devastated and don't know what to do. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about that a little bit more as we go along with this interview. So when parents share with you that heartbreak, you know, it's devastating. As Kate was saying, it's just heartbreaking. And, uh, you know, for them to expect their children to just go on with their faith and they're highly involved and they may even had encounters with God, but to see them suddenly just 
drift away. Yeah, in the book I talk about the exit lane in a freeway when you're driving along and uh, if you get into the exit lane, you're still moving with the crowd, with all the rest of the cars who are moving in the same direction at the same speed, but you're on the exit lane. And I think some things move these younger ones especially, yeah. anybody, into the exit lane and they begin to go down a trajectory that will eventually take them right away in a new mm. direction. And I mean, things like... A moral choice. They're faced with the morality situation when they're teenagers and they have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Mm. And uh, the expectation in the world is that, you know, you, you just sleep around. It's no big deal. Mm. Um, but they know their moral choice is going to be going against what the Bible teaches. And so they move into an exit lane and then other things can join with that and intellectual issues and so on that can take them further and further in a new direction. Yeah. Right now, you know, I'm just sitting here as a yeah. parent and, you know, parents who watch this happen tend to blame themselves and they start to question, what did I do wrong? What didn't I do? What did I do? Have I overstepped my mark? Have I missed the mark? Um, did I push them too hard? Did I not push them hard enough? Did I, was I a good role model? You know, what about my mm. life that they haven't wanted to follow? And so on. What do you say to parents right now? Because I can tell you they're sitting on the other mm. end of this. It's so true. And it's sad because God is the one who works in people's lives, but they also have a choice. And, mm. and the incredible pressure out there to conform to what the world says is what you believe and the way you behave mm. is incredible pressure. And young people are geared to try and be accepted in the group. Mm. And if they're not, they really struggle with that. So there's incredible pressure on our younger ones especially, but yeah. on all people to conform. And so to... Take it on board as a parent and blame yourself. We all fail in some ways as parents. I know. I look back on my parenting yeah. and I think, well, I wasn't the perfect parent by any means. Are but there any perfect parents? <laughs> exactly. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you bring your children up in the fear and discipline of the Lord and seek to do the right thing and lead them by example as best as you can, uh, they still have a choice. Yeah. yeah. And sadly, it sometimes means they walk away. Yeah. Well, I think you mentioned in your book about there's a tension between the sovereignty of God and human responsibility. Yes. Can you unpack that a little bit more? Because obviously it's what you were referring to just now. Yeah. There are some Christians who take the sovereignty of God to an extreme, and the Bible teaches very clearly that we have our own personal responsibility to make a choice and yeah. freedom to make that choice. And others take it the other direction and, and discount the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign, and he works by his own desire and will to do what he wants to do. But he has chosen to limit what he does to the decision-making of the individual. Yeah. And so you can't throw one out and keep the other one, they're both in the Bible, they're both taught, so you just have to hold them in tension. Yeah. And you can't understand it because you're not God, but <laughs> God is sovereign and we have a human personal responsibility of choice. There was a message once that I listened to, and Parenting and Providence, God's Secret Ways. Mm. And part of that was when um, 
Moses' parents built that little ark, you know, and he, they yeah. put him in the river and to protect mm. him and it floated to the other side and the king's daughter, you know, yeah. ended up with him. Yeah. But the ark yeah. it was used as an illustration of as our children are growing, what we're inputting, what we're wrapping around them, what we're building into them, and then we've got to let them go. Exactly. And they're gods. Yeah. And we've got to remember that that our children are not our own. Yes. I think that's the number one thing to keep us on track yeah. is that God loves our children more than we ever did mm. or mm. could and that we are just stewards of yes. our children. Yeah. He's got the plan and purpose. We don't have the plan and purpose. We've mm. just got to raise our children as he's called us to do and then he's going to do the rest. Yes. He's promised that. Yes. When both our daughters were growing up, there was a time in the teenage years when we were really concerned for them, as most parents are with teenage yeah. kids. And there came a point where we found real freedom by just truly committing them to the Lord mm. and saying, Lord, they're in your hands. We bring them to you. We leave them there. We will influence as much as we can. We can't tell them what to do now. Mm but we will entrust you to work out your plan in their lives. Yeah. And it's such a freeing thing to Very do much that. So. Very yeah. much so. Mm. You mentioned earlier before about the situation where you know someone finds a boyfriend or a girlfriend and yeah. the world or conforming to the patterns of this yeah. world would be saying, well, the rules and regulations that set in God's word just don't align with what I want to do. Mm. What are some other reasons why young people leave their faith and leave God? One is, say, the failure or hypocrisy of people in the church, and that actually can be more for older ones as well who leave yeah. the faith, that they just are fed up with uh, what they see as hypocrisy. And uh, by the way, hypocrisy doesn't mean that you fail. We all fail. Hypocrisy is pretend to be something that you're We're not. not. It's mm. um, putting on a facade. And it's so important as a family bringing up children as parents, uh, that we don't put any facade, that they don't see any hypocrisy in us, that we're real. Yes, a child can smell a hypocrite a mile off. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we have to be on our, yeah. not just best behaviour, it's no, not being no, behaviour, it's no. actually making it real and authentic and genuine. Well, it's not having two people. You, yeah. You're the yeah. same person, it doesn't matter yeah. who you're speaking to or in what situation you're in. Yeah. So you're the same on Sunday as you are yes, Monday through Saturday. And that's critical, I think, because the reality of your faith is what we're wanting to impart to the children that you're bringing up. And so yeah. they see the reality or they see the facade. Um, uh, suffering or loss is another big one. And there's no real easy answer to that. Why does God allow suffering? Why do some people seem to cop it again and again and other yeah. people just cruise through life? Mm. It just doesn't seem right. And there is no ultimate answer, but we do know that there's three things about God that are important. God is love. Mm. And so people say, well, if God is love, and God is powerful, he can do whatever he wants, he can change things. Yeah. So if God is love and God is powerful, he's got the motivation, why doesn't he change things Fix and it. stop the suffering? Mm. Yeah. But then God is also wise and all-knowing. And he has a plan, and the ultimate plan is for eternity, not for now. Yeah. And so uh, when you get the whole picture of God and you trust him in those 
trials or sufferings that you go through. And God uses those sufferings to test our faith, to see whether it is genuine. Um, It says that in 1 Peter, that um, that the genuineness of your faith, like gold that is tested in the fire, so your faith will be tested to see that it is genuine. And for the Christians back then, they were going through terrible suffering. We don't like pain, though. We like things to be smooth and smooth. And painless, yeah, yeah. but I always come back to you know good things can happen to bad people and bad things can happen to good people. Mm. But Jesus was perfect, mm. and yet he had to suffer mm. an incredible death yeah. for you and I. So if it happens to the best of the best, yeah, who are we to get in the way that we do have to go through pain and suffering at times? And I don't know about you, but I know for me that any thing that we've walked through, and we've walked through quite a bit. That the amount that we have learnt mm. <laughs> in that time, mm. I would look back and go, I wouldn't change it. Mm. Yes. The amount of hearing God, the mm. building strength, I call it building um, spiritual muscle. Yeah. Uh, so the next thing that comes along, you go, he talked to me in that moment. He was faithful in that moment. Yes, it was painful. Oh, my goodness. And my mm. heart broke, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But. He was there. Yeah. He promised to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That is so true. And I think any Christian who's gone through difficult times and has grown through that can look back and say that. And I'm sure when we all get to heaven, we'll look back on our lives and say, thank you, Lord, for allowing those <laughs> yeah. things, even though at the time I did not thank you for the f- Yeah, <laughs> yeah count it all right. joy, count yeah. it all joy. Yeah. <laughs> Our guest today is pastor and author, Keith Glasgow. Stay with us as we continue our chat right here on Focus on the Family, Australia. The word for today is Australia's most widely read daily devotional, designed to give you practical teaching to keep you focused on your relationship with Jesus. Read it online or subscribe to the free printed edition at thewordfortoday.com.au. Hi, and welcome back to Focus on the Family Australia. I'm Brett Ryan, along with my wife, Kate, and we're chatting to Pastor Keith Glasgow, an author of the book, Exit, and explores the reasons why some turn away from following Christ. You mentioned about the Bible earlier on, and I I want to discuss that as the biblical foundation of everything we stand on. And if you can just discuss that versus, you know, truth versus our minds, you know, we get caught up. In our own mind, we create our own narratives, etc. Can you talk about how important it is to be grounded? When young people move into uh, their adulthood in the sense of leaving high school, leaving the sheltered environment of their own home, their church, their Christian school if they went to one, uh, they're met with a tsunami of skepticism and opposition to the beliefs that they're brought up Mm. with. So it is really difficult. And if they stand up for their faith, they're scorned, they're sometimes vilified. Uh, They enter into a liminal space, as it's called, and I had to look that word up in the Mm. dictionary. (laughs) because, But it means that you're right on the edge and uh, it's very easy to teeter across that divide. Mm. In a book called Faith for Exiles from the Barna Group, who do research, uh, they talk about resilient disciples, those who 
stay strong despite that incredible tsunami of opposition. Yeah. Mm. And the three things they mention, they say commitment to Jesus Christ personally is one, trust in the Bible as the word of God authoritative, and thirdly, that they have cultural discernment. Today, there is so much biblical illiteracy, and young people are, are growing up with only a very shallow mm. understanding of what the Bible teaches. A mile yeah. wide and an inch deep. Yes. And, you know, the church I belong to and other churches I've had a lot to do with, um, pastoring and so on, where the youth group and the youth leader and pastor have really put a lot of focus on Bible teaching, whether it be in a group or mentoring, discipleship, and so on, those ones have shown that they've stood strong in their faith yeah, so uh, despite the onslaught. And same with families. And I think it's not just a matter of teaching the Bible, like formally sitting down at at a meal time, I think it's important, or after a meal, or once a day as a family, with younger ones especially growing up, to actually open the Bible, read it, and talk about it, and mm. discuss the issues of the day, and apply God's Word to them so the kids grow up with an understanding that the Bible has great relevance for life, yeah. as well as being authoritative in what you believe. And isn't that wonderful that you say that, because it's the everyday life I remember, you know, just the kids would bring up something in the car. Yeah. You know, you're driving along and they might talk about a friendship issue or whatever. Yeah. We would just talk about that, the actual mm. issue, and then say we'd give some advice perhaps, and mm. then we'd go, I wonder what God says. Yeah. You know, let's look at what he says about that because mm -hmm. we're all flawed mm -hmm. and so we're going to have an opinion and we're going to run yeah. it through our filter. Mm. Um, but what does God say? How does he tell us to treat the other person? Yeah. Because our first response is we want to pay back. Yes. Or we want to exclude, yeah. or we want to, whatever our reactive response yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is going to be. Yeah. Um, but how does he tell us to do it, and why does he tell us to do it that yeah. way? Yeah. Not just that that's what he says to do, but why does he tell us to do that? And yeah. how does it make us feel to treat someone kindly when they've been unkind, yeah. as opposed to payback? Like, how does it actually make us feel physically? Yeah. It's a totally different scenario. Yeah. Um, you go from really enraged or angry or hurt inside and how dare they, indignant, mm -hmm. to, you know what, I'm going to show a kindness. Right. I think of it this way, that uh, the mind is so vulnerable and when you have a computer, most people have a computer or a tablet or mm -hmm. something, you have special software that you install on that computer so it protects the computer from viruses that can come in and destroy the computer or mess it up or, or give your details to someone who will use yeah. them maliciously. And so we need to have the antivirus software <laughs> of God's Word yeah. really established in our lives in order that we can resist those false yeah. things. We really actually have to, that verse in Romans where it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but renew your mind. We have yeah. to control the mind yeah. and help our children to be countercultural in a world that wants to bring them down to this level rather than raise them up to stand up for righteousness and stand up for what they believe. Exactly. And 
when you bring spiritual warfare into this, mm. when Paul said that you've got to put on the whole armor of God, you, you've got to protect yourself. It's all against the attack of the evil one. And, yeah. of course, the evil one, his only power is in the lie, in, in mm. telling lies. He's the father of lies. So you put on the belt of truth, you, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, that you take the shield of faith. Faith in God's word, faith in what God has revealed. Yeah. Uh, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So much of the actual armory that is our defense is to do with God's word. And isn't it interesting, you know, when lies have come, say mm. at me, mm. I will put on the helmet yeah. because it's coming at the mind. Yeah. And so I will go, Lord, I'm putting on my helmet to block such lies yes. And only your truth remains because mm. I've memorized scripture. Yeah. And so whether I feel like getting mm. out the Bible, mm. I know that in my heart that God's word is up here in my head and I yeah. can recall it. Mm. And in fact, one of our sons was going through something where he was speaking on Christianity as part of, well, a guy in Year 12 was doing an option. He was speaking against Christianity mm -hmm. and he knew our son was a Christian. And he was quite affronted that he would insult Christianity. And uh, there was a whole big to-do mm -hmm. <laughs> in the whole classroom, the teacher, everybody. And, uh, you know, he felt so attacked and him personally and his faith, etc. And we actually got out every scripture of what God says about him. Mm. And we typed it out. And we gave it to him because as a young man, you know, mm. you're feeling threatened. It's like, you know, I'm nothing. Nobody likes me. My Christian mm. faith doesn't stand up, etc. And we got at everyone. We typed it all up and we said, you need to read it over. This is what God says. This is yeah. what God says. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter what yeah. we say. Yeah. It's what God says and believes about you. Mm. Yeah. Our oldest daughter, when she was in her early teens, she read through the whole Bible. Mm. We didn't force her to do that. It was something she wanted to do. She was very interested, so we encouraged her. She memorized scripture as well, and she's continued in her faith. She was teaching at a Christian college here in, in Melbourne for many years, and her two kids have grown up in the faith as well. It's just, to me, the foundation of the word is paramount. Yeah. Mm. But it comes with a cost. It does yeah. come with a cost. The cost of discipleship. And people aren't really prepared to yeah. have that because they want to fit in. They want to conform. Yeah. They don't want to stand out. Yeah. So what is the cost of discipleship? Wow. Well, Jesus said, unless you deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. That is the call of Jesus, is to count the cost. Mm. And we were living in America when, whether you love him or hate him, Donald Trump was the president. And I'm not doing anything here that's political. I'm just saying he was loved by some but hated by others. And if you wore a MAGA cap, you were an immediate target. You know, people rejected you because you aligned yourself with the person they rejected. Mm. Yeah. And it's the same with Christ. If you align yourself with Christ, their antagonism against him will be then directed at you. Jesus said the same in John 15. If they hated me, they'll hate you too. Mm. Yeah. And so there is a cost. And 
unfortunately, that becomes a, a real stumbling block for some people once they really face that yeah. in life. Yeah. There's so much more we'd like to delve in a little bit. And yeah. would you be happy to come back for another interview? Sure. Yes. Thank you, Brett. Kate, this has been incredible, hasn't it? Just to discuss some of these things, because we know from our experience, we get many people coming to speak to us about their prodigals. Oh, absolutely. Only just recently mm. um, we've had that. And it, the parents just come with, what do I do? Yeah. What do I do? And I was so excited when, Keith, you wrote this book, Exit, because parents are desperate. Yeah. Their parents are yeah. desperate. And, yes, they know the word of the Lord and they know that God's got their children in the, in his hands. But sometimes the practicality and you're not thinking as clearly as possible because you're in an emotional state because yeah. this is a very emotive thing. Your mm. children are attached to your mm. heartstrings. Yeah. And so you can't think clearly. And so to have somebody write this is just so helpful. Oh. We'd like to discuss this a lot more, Keith. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Our guest today was Pastor Keith Glasgow, author of the book Exit. If you'd like to find out more about Keith or to get a copy of the book, go to his website at keithglasgow.com. That's keithglasgow.com. Our website has numerous articles and podcasts on helping your children come to faith and regarding prodigals. You can go to our website at families.org.au. On behalf of the team, Kate and myself, Brett Ryan, we invite you to join us for part two of our conversation right here on Focus on the Family. Australia. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.